Well, good morning. Hi. <laughs> um, I, welcome to Crossman's. Uh, my name is Ken. I'm the pastor here. I have the joy of, of pastoring here at this church. And uh, um, because I love you, I am teaching from back in our activity room today. My wife, Kathy, tested positive for COVID-19 um, on uh, Wednesday. And she's doing okay. She's still not feeling 100%. So keep her in your prayers. But um, I've been exposed uh, to her and I didn't want to expose you. So I, this is going to be a little strange for those of you that, um, you know, are here in person. Those online, it probably won't make much of a difference to you. But um, I'm, we'll look at the screens and, and uh, follow along with me. I'm going to read from the scriptures to start us out today. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect the justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greeting in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. And then one of the lawyers answered him, saying, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe, you lawyers also, for you load up people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourself do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. As the word of God. Well, um, in Luke 11, uh, Jesus is proclaiming woe or judgment on this group of Pharisees, on this group of very religious people because of their hypocrisy. In the Greek, the word hypocrite um, actually means or literally means uh, actor or pretender. And uh, pretending is a very dangerous thing in having a relationship with God and actually with other people as well. So um, uh, I, I, I know that that's dangerous personally because when I was a boy in fourth grade, I wanted to know God and I found a Gideon's Bible and I read it at bed every night and I read all the way through Genesis, Exodus and Deuteronomy and you know, on my own mostly, I started attending a church and, and going to CCD and, and, and serving as an altar boy. Sometimes, and you know, I had to walk two or three miles to get to church or, or ride my bike through the snow that was this high. I'm just kidding. But I, I did. I do remember snowy nights walking to the church to get trained more in God. But in that church, I, I saw a lot of hypocrisy. I, I, I saw adults that claimed to know God. And they, they yet would fight with each other over foolish things. And I even witnessed some of them flipping each other off in their impatience, trying to get out of the parking lot to their next activity that day. And, and there were many that would come in late, actually many, many that would come in late and, and take communion and then sneak quickly out the back before the mass was over. It, it was like they were just punching a time card and then moving on with their day. I did admire the priests. They were very kind to me. But one day I asked this question of one of the priests. I said, my dad is an atheist and, and he has a different story of how the world was made than what I'm reading in the word. And um, I asked the priest, which, which story is true? The one the Bible says or the one my dad says? And, and the priest said, Ken, the Bible is just an allegory that teaches us truth. And being a fourth grader, I said, what is an allegory? And he said, it's just a story. And in my young mind, it kind of broke. And I said, well, this man 
with the fancy clothes and, and everybody's got respect of him, doesn't really believe this thing, I'm out of here. And I left the church. You know, the, the so-called, or the, the hypocrisy of so-called believers is why I left the church. And I didn't return again until I was 28 years old. And unfortunately, I was at a business conference and I heard a man giving his testimony and, and a small devotional sermon. And, and something he said went right through me. He said, if a hypocrite keeps you from God, who is the real hypocrite? I was. I was a hypocrite. I missed God. I wanted to know him, but I was letting people keep me from God. The hypocrisy was to pretend that I did not care about God and his word when in my heart I really did. And so I, that man's words led me down a path of starting to read the Bible on my own. And I found a, a teacher who did humbly walk with God and he helped me to understand Jesus's words to me. And through God's word, I, I learned that we are all hypocrites. And I turned away from some of my hypocrisy and found forgiveness and I found everlasting life in Jesus Christ. But God wanted to do so much for me and he wanted to do so much through me. And yet I almost missed out on all that because of my hurt over other people hypocrisy and because I did not recognize my own. I, I do find that many leave fellowship with God not because of him but because they are hurt by people who claim to be believers but their actions don't reflect the God who they claim to serve. I have found most people do not have a problem with Jesus particularly they when they get to know him they like what he did and what he taught. Instead most have a problem with us, with the church. Have you ever let hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of people, make you leave a church or leave a Bible study or fellowship with another believer? Then aren't you a real hypocrite too, if you've done that? Because Jesus tells us to love sinners. And, and you've judged those people's sin too great to be around. You may leave relationship because they are not acting like Jesus but are you especially if you walk out on him and you ignore his word are you acting like Jesus in Luke 11 Jesus walked into a house of hypocrites because he loved them and he wanted to see them turn from hypocrisy so that they might know God's love and mercy see Jesus always acted in love God is love and that's what love does, is walk in and enter, even with sinners of all kind. You know, Pharisees, they, they kind of pretended a little love towards Jesus, inviting him to dinner. But it was actually hypocrisy. They were seeking to trap him in his word while impressing others by their hospitality to him. Oh, Pharisees obeyed rules. They, they obeyed social etiquette just to impress others, not to love them especially those that they thought were sinners. The Pharisee here wore the right clothing. He said the right things. He externally followed the rules and, and put on a good show of religion. But the distraction of the show kept those Pharisees from truly knowing God. Also, the, the show, when we put on a show, turns off others, 
especially when they see that it's just a show. And it, and it will even, if they don't see that it's a show, it will lead others astray in, into the wrong things and not into what is really important. Hypocrisy is dangerous for everybody. But the truth is, we all do it to some extent. We, all, we do it when our actions and our attitudes are influenced more by what others think of us instead of doing God's will, which is love. If, if we don't share our faith because we are afraid of what others might think of us, we're being a hypocrite. If we only serve in the church because we like to impress others that were there, or we feel guilty that someone might criticize us for not being there or not serving, we're being a hypocrite. If we, if we just come to church to keep up appearances and do it a duty, we're being a hypocrite. If we say, hey, I'm praying for you, and we don't actually pray, we're, we're being a hypocrite. If we say, hey, I love you, and I love my other brothers and sisters at church, and when they have a need, when they need help, uh, and we just ignore that, and, and we ignore the work that we could do together, or, or the, the, the taking them a meal or doing something, that we're being a hypocrite. We're being very hypocritical. When we judge another sinner for their sin, and instead of dealing with our own sin, we're being a hypocrite. If we're a singer in our praise band and we don't regularly read God's word and we don't pray throughout the week and we don't try to have gospel conversations with others or, or serve others or help out the church when they have a work day or a work project, we're not showing love to our brothers and sisters. No matter what we're doing to worship, we're being hypocrites. If we just post memes on social media and, and never come and worship God with others or attempt to obey his word, we're being very hypocritical. If you act one way at church and differently on the job or at school or at the bar, you're a hypocrite. If you only hang out with others who say they are Christians and avoid all relationships with people that are different from you or that you think are sinners, friends, that's hypocrisy. And while hypocrisy is very dangerous, it's a very common sin that we all need to recognize in our lives and turn from it when we recognize it. When you pretend a relationship with Christ and not really live in relationship with Christ, it will turn off others and, and ultimately it will limit your joy. So we need to say goodbye to the woe of hypocrisy. Today, let's look closely at God's word and let's seek to obey him by turning from hypocrisy and turning to him. In verse 42, again, it says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect the justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You know, I covered that verse last week um, in a message called Being Real. It's not that religious activity is bad, but that we must be real with ourselves of why we are doing it. See, the Pharisees did a good thing. They, they gave to the poor. They, they read the scripture. They, they went to temple. They tithed on their spice racks. But the problem is they missed the most important things to God in all of their activity. Their religion took up all their time and they neglected those important things to God of how they treated others and how they treated themselves. Jesus said they neglected justice which is the understanding that God was just 
and that they and everybody else were sinners and they deserved his judgment for their sin. But because they were in denial about the fact that they were sinners, they missed also in his word that God is love. And so his intention is to give us all mercy, all of us sinners, mercy and love. And so instead of really loving others, their time was spent just producing a religious show instead of caring for other sinners. So they, they missed God's ultimate purpose for their lives because of hypocrisy. Micah 8.6 says what our purpose is. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Justice here is what Jesus was talking about, admitting our sin, that it's serious before God and, and not pretending, not acting like it's not, which is hypocrisy. So the text says, do justice. So there's action to justice. There's repentance. There's changing our attitudes and, and changing our behavior to be more like God. <clears throat> we are to love to do kindness more than an external religious show. Kindness here is not kindness to God. It's kindness to one another. That's what God sees as a demonstration of our justice. But the Pharisees wanted to impress God. They did not care about other people. God is saying, if you care about me, you care about others. To walk humbly is not to be perfect or to pretend to be perfect, which is hypocrisy. It is to be transparent or honest about your sin with God and with others. See, you may be able to fool people that you're holy and religious in your behavior, but you're not fooling God. Walking humbly is keeping in mind his love and justice in all of your life. Jesus is not saying their religious devotion is a bad thing. Their tithing was justice. It was obeying God's law. Tithing is something God showed up to or, or came up with to care for us, to care for all the people. So when you tithe at the church, it goes to pay the lights, it goes to pay the, the staff, it goes to pay the, the gospel going forth here and all over the world. If, 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 if that's why we give, if your religion is, um, you know, uh, yeah, so their tithing wasn't the problem. That was just. What was unjust was believing that they were better than everybody else because they tithed. If, if your religion is something that makes you feel superior to others, there's a real problem with it. That's not justice. Instead, your religion should, be, should make you feel grateful for God's love for you, a sinner. He, he dealt justly in his love, and he allowed the price of your sin and, and my sin to be satisfied in his son on the cross. Now, Jesus continues. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greeting in the marketplace. See, there's a, a conflict between verse 42 and 43 in, in what the Pharisees love. They, they neglected being grateful for the love of God to them as sinners. Instead, they loved being important. That's what they're really working for in life, the praise of people for how important and how holy they were. Really, their reputation mattered more to them than God's love. So they hid the fact from men that they were sinners. 
with their pharisaical religious costumes and, and their religious behavior. See, what got them excited was being honored in the synagogue and being honored on the first century Facebook, which was the marketplace or the agora. They wanted people to like them there. They loved the show and they wanted to uh, everyone to be impressed with their holiness. If they loved others, it was for their advantage. But that show does not save anybody from judgment. So Jesus said, whoa, to them, because he loved these Pharisees. And, you know, Jesus had previously said on another earlier in the text that, that only a, an offering of our hearts could make us clean, not showing everybody else how holy we are but by our tithing, especially on our spice rack or getting a good seat in, in, in church so that you're noticed in the, the synagogue, or, or getting a lot of likes in your marketplace. When our minds are on our reputation, there is no joy to our faith. There's only judgment. But when our minds are on God's love for us in Christ Jesus, there is a fullness of joy. Religion, friends, is a dead thing. Christ is alive. And God's word says this about him in Psalm 1611. He says, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Going through the motions of religion can't bring you salvation, but it also will not bring you joy. Joy is found in your relationship every day with Jesus Christ. Being in his presence, not in religious activity. You know, religious activity can be a tool that is used to bring us into his presence, but apart from him, it's dead. It has no power. You know, this building that we're in and all of our programs and all of our technologies, those things are not eternal. Friends, that's all kindling. Someday it's all going to burn. You know, the only eternal thing here today is you and me. In the book of James, it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's the only place in the scriptures where religious activity is commended by God. And it's in the context of caring for eternal things, people. But, but we must also in that be careful of our heart motivation, that it's not pharisaical, that our motive to help those who are marginalized in this world and, and let them see justice is not to feel better about yourself and it's, it's, it's not to impress others because that's, again, another possible show that neglects the love and justice of God. If we, if we just help widows and orphans to be clothed and eat well but do not bring God's love and justice through the gospel, they will eternally burn. We've not truly cared for them if we let them die forever in hell under God's judgment when he wants to save them, if we've not told them about him. It's, it's the same thing as, as being all focused on our church building and all our efforts, you know, if we, if we do our efforts to just feed and clothe, ultimately those things, all those things just have an earthly value. And plus we may teach the people we're trying to help to only care about worldly concerns. 
Let's say we met their needs for 20 or 30 or 40 years in this life, but we neglected them for all eternity. We have neglected the true love and justice of God. Don't they need to know that they are sinners too? Don't they need to know that his love can save them, that God's love ultimately will bring about their justice? There's a plan that someday they will have no tears anymore, no, no heartache. Uh, they will be well provided for all eternity. Isn't that what they need to know most? A, a social gospel of just feeding people and clothing people is neglecting them the truly good news that true justice for all of us comes in our eternal destination. It will not be found here. But see, the Pharisees are just concerned for their reputations. See, that's what they work for, not truly for God. Jesus said in Mark 14, 7, For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. See, Jesus is the love and the justice of God for all people. It's what they need most. And we must follow him in bringing the poor his gospel because he is theirs and ours ultimate solution. We can never neglect that. It's just not just. If you only support giving initiatives that help the poor because that makes you feel good, but you neglect supporting the work of this church or other churches that bring the gospel of Jesus to the world, friends, that's a form of hypocrisy. You're, you're pretending to care about people, but you're really not caring. The purpose of Jesus' church is to bring his justice and love, which includes helping the poor. It, when we do that, it shows his love and justice, which helps us then to bring the good news of his love for him. And, and by his love, they can escape judgment. It's a both-and equation. Neither should be neglected. You know, honestly, it feels good for all of us when we're busy doing good, loving things for people because... Usually, they genuinely appreciate it, not always. Sometimes, though, it's not as pleasant and it's much more difficult to bring people the gospel because the gospel offends men and women's pride. But if we truly love them, we'll, we'll, we'll allow them not to like us sometimes because if we truly love them, we'll share the gospel so they will not perish. If in your mind you say, hey, we just need to show them love, then do you really believe in the justice of God for sinners? See, Jesus said his purpose was for being here was this in Luke 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Friends, that's our purpose too. To accomplish that, Jesus fed people and he cared for people and he healed people, but he ultimately brought them eternal justice with his life. You may be thinking, Ken, why are you harping on this point so much? Because I have often seen the strongest hypocrisy in denominations and groups of people that only practice the social gospel. It, it breeds Phariseeism. There's a lot of religious activity going on, but often not a lot of relationship with Christ. There may be happiness for helping, but not joy in his pleasures forevermore. In contrast, if we just give people the justice of God talking about their sin 
in the gospel without showing them God's love and in very practical ways, it's, it's just as unfruitful and neglectful. All people are tempted towards Phariseeism, and, and we must be careful to bring the love and justice of God together always, doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with Jesus. You know, I am so thankful for some ministries that we partner with, like New Life for Haiti and Hands on Africa. They're seeking to do both. And, and I hope you support their work. But be careful not to neglect sharing the gospel and encouraging your rich neighbor next door. Because that, friends, would be an injustice. In our country, we are rich materially and we are poor spiritually. And in Haiti and Africa, I think it's the opposite. Actually, the more substantial need may be right here, I believe it is, among the rich of the world. So do not neglect having gospel conversations here where everything looks pretty and neat on the outside because there's brokenness. James 5, 2 says, Come now, you rich, weep, howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. Their corrosion will be evidence against you. You will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborer who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord. Friends, if you're just satisfied in giving a little of your wealth to the poor to make you feel good about your religion, I want you to think again. The cry of the harvesters are crying out against you. You know why? Because they're alone in the field. Because scripture tells us the workers are few. And the Lord, the truly just one, is hearing your neglect. It's not going unnoticed. Friends, there are 96,000 people within a few miles of my voice right now. And many are being neglected. If you are not willing to risk a gospel conversation with them. Don't you care? Or don't you think that God cares that they are perishing? His son died so they would not. It, is it possible that we are pharisaically feeling superior to the economically poor, and yet we are intimidated by our rich neighbor or coworker because we secretly value what they have and we covet it, and so we stay blind to their true brokenness. Friends, Phariseeism is worldly thinking, not heavenly thinking. The rich man next to you and the poor man in Haiti will both perish eternally without Jesus. A God of love and justice cares for them both. For us not to care about either one is hypocrisy. Jesus says this in verse 44, Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. You know, at this time, the very religious would whitewash burial sites and, and, and tombs so that you would not accidentally walk on them. Because the Jewish law said that if you touched a, a corpse, you would be defiled for seven days in Numbers 19.11. You'd be unclean, and, and you could not go to temple. You could not be around anybody. You were quarantined like I am now. 
And then after three days, you could be ceremonially washed again. And then on the seventh day, you could wash again. And then you could go and be in fellowship with people again. See, an unmarked grave was a real problem because you could become defiled without knowing it and then go defile others. Jesus is telling us that um, hypocrisy or a pharisaical attitude is like an unmarked grave. It defiles others without them even knowing it. If, if you seek to gain the admiration of others by your religious devotion, you are defiling them as well as leading them astray. You are being an actor saying, come here, stand on this ground with me. Come stand on my ground when there's nothing but dead, dry bones beneath you. No joy, no eternal life is in your ceremony or your, your prescription for things. Joy and eternal life are found only in Jesus's presence. Pretending you are good ground when you are defiled ground is hypocrisy. Ultimately, you are doing more harm than good by lifting yourself up in your religion. Beloved, your show can't save anybody. It can't save you. It is dead. There is no power to reanimate you in it. There is no power to remove sin. There is no power to defeat the devil. And it does not really truly have the power to help anybody else. Your cause, no matter how good it is, if it has nothing to do with the love and justice of Jesus Christ, it's defiled. That, that's why Jesus is so hard on these Pharisees because of their unrepented hypocrisy. Ultimately, it leads people away from the gift of eternal life and his love and joy. You know, one of the lawyers in verse 45 answered him, said, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. Besides the Pharisee, you know, there's the teachers of the law, the experts in the Jewish law. And this expert is insulted. Now think about why. Because what he truly loved, his religion, was insulted. Religion is what gave him importance. It was what gave him a standing in the community. It was not Jesus or God and eternal life. Now, the, the, the man respectfully calls Jesus rabbi or teacher, which is to honor him. But I think it's because he likes titles. And he wanted to do the proper thing in front of all his Pharisee friends. But he's insulted. Why? Because his pride is invested in the wrong thing. Jesus is using concepts and words in all his teaching that reflect the entire counsel of God's word. And, and this man is supposedly an expert in the law, yet the word of God offends him. It offends him because his reputation and his status are more important to him than what God has to say. He was more worried about the fact that he was insulted than that God was insulted because of his lack of love and his judgment upon other people. He was more worried about being insulted than the fact that his religion was hurting people and keeping them from a relationship with God. Beloved, the gospel insults us all also. Because we are all tempted to be hypocritical, to think we are better than we are. That God's justice is not for us because, hey, we're the good ones. Then we do not rely on him as much as we should. We do not lie, uh, rely on his grace and his eternal love and, and, and power. Instead, we put our trust 
into dead, dry, and rotting bones. The lawyer is insulted that his hypocrisy is exposed, and yet he still won't admit it. Today, if I've insulted you, good. To heal from our hypocrisy, it first has to be exposed. And he said, woe to you lawyers, for you also load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourself do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Here's the real problem with hypocrisy. We expect more from others than we actually do from ourselves. Our, our, our religion can create huge burdens on others. It, it, it's putting other people on a, a treadmill that's our treadmill and it's not God's. The, and they sometimes do it in their efforts to please us and we're making them trust in dry bones, us. See, in, in the Jewish law, there were 613 commandments. And the Pharisees, doing a show, gave the idea to everybody that they obeyed them all, all the time so that they could appear holy to everybody. And yet, in our verse today, Jesus said they neglected the most essential ones, justice and love, the things that all the law was based on and what the law was to reveal. What made it worse is they expanded the law beyond that, and they made it into an even bigger burden than 613 laws. They added their own cultural ideas. They added their own prejudices. They added their own political affiliations. They added their own OCD about hygiene. The, the burden became a discouragement to others that were wanting to know God because nobody could keep up. And the real truth was they didn't either. Jesus does commend the efforts that they had to obey God, but not the fact that they took the role of judge, you know, and, and, and called out injustice because of their biases. See, they had failed to walk humbly with their God. The lawyer once, another lawyer once asked Jesus what the most important command was. And Jesus said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, or just the same, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And see, that's a mashup from uh, that all the experts of the law would know from a few passages, and yet it is the perfect standard of what God expects from us. Yet no one can bear it except Jesus. To, to love like this is a burden. To, to be justified before God um, means you, you would have to never have failed it in your whole lifetime. You know, some hypocrites think they hit it if they get one point, maybe, I love God, look at me worship, I love God. And other hypocrites think they hit it if they just show love to others. Look at all the nice things I do for people. And other hypocrites think they have it if they love themselves and, and they keep themselves in check and, 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 and they're, they're caring for themselves. See, we all judge each other's hypocrisy based on our own personal standard. But beloved, there is only one who did all three perfectly without hypocrisy, and that is Jesus. And he said to take the burden off them and yourself. 
Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beloved, I am a hypocrite. I can be tempted to put false burdens on each of you. I can put false burdens on myself. And, and sometimes I can even try to blame God, which is hypocrisy. I am saying he is God in one level and then acting like he's not God on the next. And friends, the reality is each of you do the same as well. Our only hope is to come to him, to, to stop laboring ourselves and stop piling up the law on other laborers, on other people. Jesus took on the full burden of God's law for us. He removes our woe so we can finally say goodbye to woe. On the cross, he took away our condemnation from God for our sin by doing justice and in love, receiving the full just penalty of our sin on his body. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. He, he destroyed its power over us. Hypocrites can no longer burden you with their legal maneuvering, proving themselves good and you bad. If you believe in what Jesus has done for you, God has declared you good, sinless, eternally. Because of that, we have eternal life. And Jesus proved that by rising again on the third day, proving that the law's power to condemn us to death was over. Today, all of you hypocrites and me need to turn and no longer be unmarked graves for other people. We need to follow him in doing justice and to love kindness as you walk humbly with him and find joy and peace for your soul. If you walk against him, thinking you're all that, you'll stay condemned by God's law. So the law is a yoke that no one can bear without Jesus' help. He said his burden is light. He's carrying the burden. Friends, live forgiven. Live in a sure hope in eternal life. Live in the fullness of joy forevermore. All you have to do is turn from hypocrisy. Turn and believe in what Jesus has done to carry your load and just simply humbly walk with him. Friends, does that sound too simple? Really, does that sound too simple? You know why? Because you're a hypocrite like me. Today, instead, turn and trust in what only he can do for you. If you surrender your pride, you can say goodbye to every woe forever. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your love. Your love declared for us before the foundations of the world, declared again when we first sinned, and fulfilled in the promise of Jesus who came and died for our sin, uh, took the penalty of it so that we could be set free and have eternal life. Oh, Lord, if there's anybody here today that's recognized in their hypocrisy, I pray that they would turn from it, that they would turn to you, that they would weep over that, weep and wail, and turn from it. Turn to your will, oh God, Father, and find salvation in your arms. 
find peace, find joy forevermore. For that is your true will. That is the love and justice of God working together. So Father, I pray that right now, that people repent of their religious behaviors and come into a deep relationship with you. Father, send the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin. Lord, send the Holy Spirit to convict them that you are the truly righteous one. And send the Holy Spirit right now to, to, to make them not delay, to turn right now to you. Not to be worried about what other people think. Lord, let them just fully embrace you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. You know, Jeremy and the band are going to play a song called Simple Gospel. It's a wonderful song. Now is your time to respond. I'm going to ask a couple of deacons to come forward. You can all come forward and, and be there to pray. I, I think we should see people repenting. We're all hypocrites, and we need to repent of that so that others might live forever in Him. Today, come and pray with one of the deacons and, and, and confess your sin and, and, and turn closer to God. Make commitments to follow Him.